We're talking about the top five underrated Steelers as we head into training camp in about a week or so. Plus, we'll take your calls here on the Locked On Steelers podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter. Let's get into it. You are Locked On Steelers, your daily Pittsburgh Steelers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Steelers podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter, bringing you your daily dose of all things the Pittsburgh Steelers. As always, you can find the show on your favorite podcasting apps and on YouTube. Like this video if you enjoy it. Subscribe to this YouTube channel to get all of your daily Monday through Friday episodes, as well as our bonus content. We thank you for making Locked On Steelers podcast your first listen every day because we're your team every day. And today's episode is sponsored by LinkedIn. LinkedIn jobs help you find the qualified candidates that you want to talk to faster. Post job for free at LinkedIn.com slash LockedOnNFL. That's LinkedIn dot com slash locked on nfl to post your job for free terms and conditions apply now hope everyone had a great weekend i did i am now engaged so there's that life life changes but let's get into steelers things things that you actually care about but uh let's talk about something that i think is kind of we're going to talk about in in a different frame than what you might expect so as you see the top the top of the show is going to be the top five underrated steelers uh going into training camp now, a few things here. This is not top five underrated nationally because then everyone's going to be like, well, Kenny Pickett, duh, uh, or, or things like that. These are top five, I think, underrated in in our, in our within the Steelers circle, like guys who I think, even guys who played last year for the Steelers, who I think are about to wow some people with the with what they're going to be able to do or guys who would like you know there's been excitement about them joining the organization but that excitement's cooled down and everyone's kind of just maybe like overlooking them so let's get to our top five here that we'll do and i'm gonna start at number five and that's a specific free agent they signed in Braden Fajoko. Now, they've signed a lot of free agent moves. When they got Isaac Sealmalo, when they went and got Patrick Peterson, when they got the linebackers, Holcomb and Roberts. There's been a lot of guys that they've talked about. But Braden Fajoko, I think people underestimate how important that guy is in run defense. Because when he gets after it, he gets after it. And something I see on tape that looks very very reliable is when it's a run play and he's in the gap he's taking up two blockers and he's just like you're not moving me you might do you might you might you know stop me from getting in the backfield but you're not getting past me and the linebackers are going to be clean because of that and that allows the Steelers linebackers to then go make more plays on the football go make more plays and stuffing the run and I really think that Braden Fajoko is one of those guys right now for the Steelers that I think people look at training camp and be like, okay, yeah, he's on the roster. But I think coming the season, like he's not going to be a starter, but I think that he's going to be a guy that comes off the bench, gives really quality minutes uh, for the Steelers and helps them get out, you know, prevent some third and short situations where it can be run or pass because he's stuffing the run on first and second down and then allowing uh, the pass rush to get after on a third and long type of situation. That's where I'm at with Braden Fajoko and why he's my number five underrated Steeler going to the training camp. I think that again, in the, in the national circles, I think people don't, don't look at him that much, but in the local circles, I don't think we look at him enough. And I think that's something that's going to play out there. Number four here on the top five Steelers underrated before training camp. It's a name that you guys know. It's Connor Hayward. And I think there are some Steelers fans out there that are very excited to see Connor Hayward succeed. And I get it. I'm, I'm kind of with you guys. Like, 
I covered that guy in college when he was beating Pitt in the Peach Bowl with Michigan State. I saw him make plays even before he got to that point. That guy can go make some tough catches. He can make plays a different part of the field, and he's, he's humble. He's hardworking. He's ready to work. He's ready to rock. Ready to work, and he fits the bill of a utility player for what the Steelers need right now so badly. So. I look at Connor Hayward and I see not just a fullback because that's what a lot of people want to move him to, even though officially he's still not there. But I look at Connor Hayward as a guy who, if you go back and you watch, especially the second half of the season, maybe even the last four games, you want to see some stuff. When he was running his routes, he knew how to get to the right spots and he knew how to use his entire frame to catch the football. It didn't have to be in his chest. He could snatch it with his with his hands and pull it right in. And that's where I think the Steelers got a really valuable player in here in Connor Hayward and that he's not just going to be, uh, you know, a tough tight end that blocks or anything like that. He's going to be a guy that goes up and gets the football. He's going to be a guy that runs into the thick of traffic and be not afraid to stand up to it. That to me is the biggest factor that you want from Connor Hayward right now is not having to be a, uh, a player who's just on, on there for only one situation. Connor Hayward can block. Connor Hayward can catch. He can run. He will. He is a kind of triple threat that defenses do have to account for, and I guarantee you they won't account for him because they'll be too busy worrying about Najee Harris, George Pickens, uh, Deontay Johnson, Pat Fryer. With those top guys, if Connor Hayward's on the field, they're going to attract all the attention away, and that's going to give uh, Connor Hayward some opportunities to shine for the Pittsburgh Steelers offense. So he's, he's my number four, my number three, and we'll get to the next two after the break, but my number three is Allen Robinson. Now, Allen Robinson, you might think like, well, wait a second. He's a veteran. He, he's, he just, you know, he, he, he just got there. Like let's, let's, let's hold your horses. Hear me out on Allen Robinson. I really think a big part of what I, what I think makes Allen Robinson underrated when it comes to, training camp coming up is his ability to set up routes. I've seen him do it enough to know that he can do it, but Allen Robinson is a guy who makes his money off of being sharper than the other guy, not faster, not taller, not more explosive, but sharper and sharper in his, in his moves and his coordination. And I think that that's where Allen Robinson will really become a threat for Kenny Pickett. He won't be a big play machine. I anticipate maybe like 600 yards or so uh, on the year for Allen Robinson so because I don't think they're throwing the ball that much. I think that he's going to kind of get looked over for other players at times. But Allen Robinson's ability to get sep- to get separation, to find different routes that work in different situations, it's going to be huge. So, um I think that I think that it's going to be really big for Kenny Pickett in especially tight spots. So that's where I'm at on Allen Robinson. He's my third player to watch when it comes to players who uh, could could have uh, could could be the biggest surprises or most underrated, excuse me, before training camp. We'll get to my last two and to your questions here on the Locked On Steelers podcast. I'm your host Chris Carter, so stick with us. But before we do any of that. I want to talk to you guys about our great sponsors at LinkedIn. Now, LinkedIn is the place that you need to go to if you're looking to hire somebody, but you want a potential hire who can who can fit, who can fit in with with what you're doing at your small business. 
That's where LinkedIn comes to help. All you have to do is go to LinkedIn Jobs and then create a free job post in minutes to reach your network and beyond to the world's largest professional network of over 810 million people. Then just add your job and the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring so your next or so your network, excuse me, can help you find the, the right people to hire. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. It's, it's, it's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Did you know that every week nearly 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn? Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash NFL. That's linkedin.com slash NFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Back here on the Locked On Steelers podcast, I'm your host, Chris Carter, here talking Pittsburgh Steelers with you on a Monday. Players do report on the 26th of July, so we're about nine days out. It's kind of crazy to think about with all the things that have happened since last season. But let's get back on focus here. So we were going over my top five underrated Steelers going into training camp. And again, we're not talking about guys who are underrated nationally, but maybe more so within Steelers circles and I, I'm taking rookies out of the consideration for this because every rookie could be potentially underrated. But I'm talking about veterans who either have signed with the team recently or have been with the team for a little bit. And um, I for, our top five so far, we had Braden Fajoko, the defensive tackle, at five. We had Connor Hayward, the tight end slash fullback slash everything for the offense at four. And then Allen Robinson at wide receiver at three. So my number two guy. is actually a player they signed in free agency last year and who I think actually turned out pretty decently. That's James Daniels. Now, James Daniels is a guy who came in last year and needed to be part of something that could take root, and it never did. Well, I won't say it never did. It did take root in the second half of the season, especially the last like six weeks or so. But James Daniels joined the line to be part of the answer to figure out what is needed from this offensive line to get the ball moving on the ground, to buy um, to buy, to buy passing time for whoever was quarterback, whether it was Mr. Trubisky or Kenny Pickett, whoever. But I really look at James Daniels as a guy who can now be more of a leader. He's James Daniels is a quiet guy. Like when you talk him in the locker room, he's not the raw, raw lineman. He's not the guy that's gonna be like, hey, everyone on me, follow me to victory and stuff like that. But he's gonna be the guy that gets his job done and he's gonna be ready for the next challenge. And that's where I see James Daniels as the number two underrated stealer coming into training camp because I do think we we kind of have a sense now of who he is, but when we start to get to see him, I think, compete more um, with bigger defensive linemen and uh, to win certain battles, he'll have a chance to prove himself in front of everyone. And I think that could be a really good thing for the Steelers to kind of see James Daniels come out of his shell and be a really dominant presence on an offensive line because the Steelers have been missing that. 
and I want to get through this in my third topic because there's a part of the offensive line point there that fits into the question about who's the best comp team for the Steelers in 2023. But again, I think that that's, uh, I think this is all part of what we're talking about here with the Steelers offensive line being better this year. I think that when we're talking about Mason Cole, James Daniels, Chakuma core for guys that are sticking around who are still starting from last year. James Daniels is the leading core of the, of that hope. Now you can add more hope to it, which is what I think, uh, you know, some people are uh, try to do some, sometimes when uh, they talk about, you know, uh, expecting more out of a rookie, expecting more out of Sam and expecting more out of the offensive line. Oh, they're going to be a top five offensive line. I'm not saying they're going to do all that. But I am saying that I think they'll be a lot sharper here. And I'll get to more about sharper in the third segment uh, here. But my number one underrated player going into training camp, and it's a guy who every Steeler knows who he is. And it's not a it's not like a, a super uh, a super crazy one here. But it's at an important position where they've made an important ad. And that's Levi Wallace. Now, you might be thinking I'm crazy. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Levi Wallace? Really, Chris? Hear me out. Levi Wallace was pretty doggone good. He was such a reliable force for the Steelers on defense at the cornerback position that he was a um, that he he had four interceptions last year. He was really tough to get the ball around. And again, a guy with longer arms, talent. I think that he's going to be able to put himself in that conversation where uh, it's not so easy just to give away his spot to Joey Porter Jr. And if you're looking at Levi Wallace and what he's done in the past, I, th- I think that it can be reasonably expected that he's going to uh, do whatever he can to find the right matchups, to get the right situation and be there. But Levi Wallace is my number one guy because I think people are overlooking him because of the signing of Patrick Peterson and the drafting of Joey Porter Jr. And you put those two things together, I get it. I, 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 I'm with you. I'm excited to see what this looks like. But I'm also I'm also, you know, kind of wondering how much of Levi Wallace's success last year won't come again very soon. But at the same time, I do think the Steelers defense is keyed up in a way where the cornerbacks don't need to be the leading force of the defense, but if they are really good or even they're decent. They're going to get their opportunities to make plays in the football. They're going to get opportunities to get the interceptions that change games around. And that's where I really think that Levi Wallace fits in because he can get go, go up and get those interceptions. I mean, we've, we've seen it before and I think we'll see it again at some point. But that's my point with uh, with this with the Steelers secondary when we're talking about Patrick Peterson fitting in and, and Joey Porter Jr. fitting in and maybe Corey Trice fitting in is that Levi Wallace himself 
don't count him out. He's a veteran. He knows what he's doing. And I think there's a good chance that he could start and they move someone into the slot. But there you have it. There's my top five players to look out for, uh, or excuse me, that are underrated before training camp. Again, sticking with veterans and not rookies and guys who aren't underrated nationally, but maybe more under, underrated uh, locally here. Number five is defensive tackle Braden Fajoko. Number four is tight end slash fullback slash whatever he actually plays, Connor Jones. Number three is wide receiver Allen Robinson. Number two is James Daniels. And number one is Levi Wallace, because I truly think that he could be um, – I think that he could be kind of special for the Steelers as a number two option over the next several years. But again, we'll get more at that later when we get closer to training camp. I have a call from a listener who I want to really address here because they brought up an interesting comparison point to who would be most likely to compare to the, uh, um, the uh, previous teams here in the NFL. And there was one in particular that he named – that I was like, huh, that sounds crazy. But when I thought more about it, it wasn't crazy. We'll talk about that here on the Locked On Steelers podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter. Stick with us. We'll be right back. We're back here on the Locked On Steelers podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter. We continue our show here as we switch topics from my top five underrated Steelers before training camp to take one of your calls. we got our man Nathan Glass on the line from Los Angeles, California. Nathan, take it away. Hey, Chris. Nate Glass from California. Thanks for answering my uh, call about the defense. But now I have a question about the offense. Um, we've all been spoiled with Ben Roethlisberger. And now we have Kenny Pickett, and we have not seen pretty much what this offense can be yet. So I was thinking maybe I could go in back in the past and find an NFL team that I could do an NFL comparison to with this current roster. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but do you think this Steelers offense, or let's just say the Steelers team in, in general, do you think this Steelers team is similar to the 2017 Jaguars? So first, thanks to Nate to call in. Remember, you, if you ever want to call in, you can call in at 412-223-6644. That's 412-223-6644. Leave your name where you're from and keep your question under a minute. We'll try to get you on the show. If you donate at least $10 to the Cystic Fibrosis Foundation's campaign, you will be guaranteed a spot on the show with your question. But to get to Nate's question here, now, I don't think all the comparisons are quite that accurate here. One the 2017 Jaguars came out of nowhere. And like some people might think, well, the Steelers are trying to come out of nowhere this year. Yes, but the Steelers last year were just outside of the playoffs. They were 9-8. and eight. They had a rookie quarterback, and they obviously were picking up steam in the second half of the season. The 2016 Jaguars before the 2017 Jaguars, so we're comparing what will be this year's Steelers to that year's Jaguars. The 2016 Jaguars were 3-13. and 13. They were utterly terrible. And maybe you'd argue, hey, well, the Steelers weren't that good either. They weren't great, but they weren't that bad. And so they were coming off of what was a complete turnaround. And they and so I think they were in a different position. Also, I don't think that people want 
the 20 the, the 2023 Steelers to be the 2017 Jaguars because whereas the 2017 year was great they had 10 they went 10 and 6 to beat the Steelers in the division round of the playoffs and they were one terrible call from getting to the Super Bowl because they I think they truly that if they uh, if they rule Miles Jack's fumble recovery a touchdown which it really was he never was down uh they would have probably ran away with that game and it would have been over and they would have been in the Super Bowl instead of the Patriots but the year after that they were abysmal. In fact, that was the one winning season that they had in a stretch of like, I think it was like 10, 10 out of 10 years. That was the one year that they had a winning season up until this past season when Trevor Lawrence became in his second year. So here's my thing. I don't think there's, there's those similarities, but to Nate's point, there are some similarities that I think could work in their favor. Primarily, the offensive line situation, the potential rise of a running game, a young quarterback, and a really talented defense. Let's start with the defensive part of that. The 2017 Jaguars had 21 interceptions. Last year's Steelers had 20. That's before they got Patrick Peterson. They did lose Cam Sutton, trade off there. There's a young cornerback in Joey Porter Jr. who they're hoping can rise the same kind of way that Jalen Ramsey did. I think it's a lot to ask him to be Jalen Ramsey at this point in his career because Jalen Ramsey was just a phenomenal quarterback cornerback coming into the NFL. But we'll see how that plays out. But point being, that's a very talented secondary. And that was a very talented secondary. secondary. Not only did they have Jalen Ramsey and A.J. Bouye at cornerback for the Jaguars in those years, but Barry Church and Deshaun Gibson – they were all they all had like four plus interceptions or something like that. And that was they were what drove the interception game for the Jaguars. But also it was the Jaguars pass rush that also made it played a big factor in this. In 2017, they had 55 sacks. People forget about that. The Steelers last year had 40 sacks, so it's a little less comparison. But the last time they had TJ Watt for a full season, guess how many sacks the Steelers had? 55 in 2021. So I actually do think that there are some interesting comparisons on the defensive side of the ball. But to Nate's point, the offensive side of the ball plays a big role in this. But I also think there's some similarities there as well. So I don't think Nate's too far off of this. First, let's start with the offensive line. The Jaguars offensive line wasn't chock full of a whole bunch of new first round picks that just that they just picked up in like three years and just developed them. They had some veterans that they had had on that they had brought into the team the year before and they drafted a rookie left tackle in Cam Robinson. And that kind of formed the new offensive line that was really good at running the football that year. And in fact, when I say really good at running the football, people forget whenever they say the Steelers lost to Blake Bortles in the playoffs. Yeah, sure they did, but they also lost the number five offense in the league because the Jaguars were the number one rushing offense in the league. And that group was a problem. It wasn't just Leonard Fournette. That offensive line was giving people fits throughout the year. And I think that's what the Steelers are trying to do this year. It's not a thing. They are trying to do that this year. But I think it's possible for them to do that this year. If you go back and look at the 2016 Jaguars offensive line, four of the starters were the same. The only difference in 2017 was Cam Robinson took over. And then they did add Leonard Fournette in the draft. But still... I think Leonard Fournette has kind of shown like that year he was on fire after that. Not as much. And I think Najee Harris hasn't had a year of blocking the way that Leonard Fournette had had a year of blocking in 2017 in front of him. 
And again, look at the, if you look at the transfer of the differences of the offensive lines, the 2022 Steelers, a lot of veterans they kind of brought in, figure they figured out their chemistry towards the end of the season. What's the biggest difference this year? They've added a left tackle, just like the Jaguars had a left tackle, and they've added a left guard. The Jaguars didn't even do that. So there's a potential for an offensive line's rise this upcoming season, just like the Jaguars had an offensive line rising rise of play and potential in 2017. And that could lead to a rise of the run game. And if you're thinking, well, wait a second, Chris, that's a lot to ask of the, the Steelers to be the number one rushing offense in the NFL. It is. It is. It is a lot. And I don't disagree with you there. They ranked 16th in rushing yards last year, 25th in yards per attempt. But the Jaguars, they ranked 22nd in rushing the year before 2017. It was a big jump up when they when they became the number one rushing team in the NFL in 2017. It is so and I'm not saying that that's going to happen, but if the Steelers can replicate at least the kind of improvement or in the sense of going from a mid-tier rushing team to you know a top 10 rushing team, if the offensive line does take steps forward, Broderick Jones, Isaac Siomalo, and improve James Daniels, Mason Colts, core for, and then maybe Dan Moore fits in there somewhere as a backup or however they want to they, they want to plan that out. I think that's a legitimate claim that they could make that. And then all you're asking from your young quarterback is, hey, just don't throw the interceptions, take the plays that are there. And personally, I think Kenny Pickett is going to be a lot better than Blake Bortles was. And I think that if you go back and you look at some of the weapons that they had, on, on that Jaguars team passing-wise, I don't think that they're as good as the the Steelers' pa- pa- uh, receiving weapons. I think Deontay Johnson's, you know, we've talked about how he's one of the better uh, route runners in the league. George Pickens, you're excited about him. Pat Frymuth, you're excited about him. Just to hope for Darnell Washington. Everyone's excited about Allen Robinson as a veteran. Um, you're excited. And, and funny enough, Allen Robinson was on that 2017 team, but he was hurt that year. But then you have Calvin Austin. There's a lot of guys there. The leading receivers for the Jaguars that year was Keelan Cole, Marquise Lee and Alan Hearns and D.D. Westbrook. None of them had more than 748 yards. Last year, the Steelers had, one second, just pulling this up, had two guys over that mark in jo- and Johnson and Pickens, and Frymuth wasn't that far behind them with 732. And that was with a rookie Kenny Pickett figuring things out in the NFL, Mitch Trubisky starting a few games here and there, and an offense that was still trying to find its identity. This year, that offense will have its identity. They'll have an experienced Kenny Pickett of a better offensive line, probably a better run game to base it off of, which is going to open up more opportunities in the pass game. So I say this to you, Nate. I don't think your 2017 Jaguars comparison is crazy. I think it's, I wouldn't say on the nose, but I think that there are some parallels, some similarities there in how, again, I do think this Steelers team could be on the rise in 2023. Now, I've said that a lot in this show, and that's kind of been my whole offseason summer spiel is that this team is going to improve. But the 2017 Jaguars, for just the fact of why they rose in 2017, the improvement of the offensive line, the defense being full of a lot of playmakers, which the Steelers team is, the uh, the balancing of the offense, which made it easier for the passing game to work when it had to. I think those aspects, that those potentials are within this Steelers roster and this current makeup of how they are playing. It's not a guarantee that it's going to get there, but the foundation has been laid by last year's work, by the people on the roster, by Omar Khan's effort to boost the roster, and by 
where this team is standing going ahead into training camp. So, Nate, good comparison with the 2017 Jaguars uh, because I do think that there is some, there are some similarities there. Now, again, you don't want them to really be the 2017 Jaguars. I mean, an AFC Championship appearance would be awesome, but remember the 2018 Jaguars fell off a map. It got. I mean, if you go back to those years, the Jaguars... I think they had one the, the before the 2017 year they had one winning season since then their last one was 2007. Then they went all they went losing seasons for a decade. Then 2017 they went 10 and 6 the year, the years after that they went 5 and 11, 6 and 10, 1 and 15 and 3 and er, 1 and 15 and 3 and 14. So, you don't want to be the Jaguars because they were a they were a quick whiff, and that is not what the Steelers are going for. They are building a core. And to be fair to the Steelers, they were also built their core, I think, by – not I think, but by naturally growing a lot of talent. They've got some good free agents, like they brought in Patrick Peterson and Isaac Ciomalo and guys like that. But the core of the Steelers, as they are, guys that they've developed, TJ Watt, Cam Hayward, uh, Mick Fitzpatrick, they traded, but he's been developed in Pittsburgh now. He's not some new face that's having to adjust to the team. Uh, Alex Highsmith is, is among that group. And guys that they're currently developing, like Kenny Pickett, like Najee Harris, like Pat Frymuth, like Deontay Johnson, like George Pickens. I think that, the, that there is staying power behind the Steelers. And if they have the kind of rise that the Jaguars did, and again, Jaguars rose seven games from three and 13 to 10, six, 10 and six. I don't think the Steelers are going to go from, I mean, a seven game rise from nine and eight would be 16 and one. That's not going to happen. But I think if the Steelers made this kind of a rise and they added three, four more wins, that'd be a lot. I'd say two or three more wins would be realistically asking. That's that's a playoff team and a serious playoff team. And I think a playoff team that could do some damage on people with what we've been talking about. Because remember, that Jaguars team was one bad call away. So not a bad comparison, Nate. Thank you for the question there. Remember, we, we have other calls that we're going to get to during this week of shows here on the Locked on Steelers podcast. Uh, thanks, everyone, for tuning in. I want to give you guys a shot, a, 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 just a heads up. I'm going on vacation later this week. So I'm going to be pre-recording as many shows as possible so that y'all can have content on here. But uh this is going to be pre-recorded so if some news happens later in the week and i'm not talking about it or or they understand that that is why but we still want to get you shows here on the locked on steelers podcast so we will have that out for you there check out the tuesday episode coming up here on your favorite podcasting apps and on youtube like this video if you enjoyed subscribe to this channel for all your daily monday through friday episodes of the locked on steelers podcast i'm your host chris carter follow me on twitter and instagram at carter critiques we'll see you back here right on the locked on steelers podcast on tuesday right here on the show 